the laptop's running low on battery. Do you need to go grab a I need to grab my truck. Okay. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I'm sorry. Run. You're good. You're fine. Good morning, good day, and good evening. And good night. Good night. Welcome to the Insomnia Report, episode 34. Is it 34? Is it 34? I thought it was 35. This is episode 35. Oh, well, I stand corrected. <laughs> Thank you. Stand away. Stand. I stand. <laughs> okay. Yeah, 35. Look alive. But it's true crime. Um. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you have listened before, welcome back. We're Did so happy to have you here. <laughs> I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. And we're the two friends and roommates that like to talk about the things that keep us up at night. night. So today we got a true crime for you. You know what that means. It's probably going to be sad and listener story. Listeners, what what's the term? Discretion. Thank you. I was about to say obsession. And I'm like, no, oh, no. <laughs> well. Um, maybe that too listener discretion is advised yes mature audiences only yes yeah so i'm going to reach for my candles matches matches the thing we do uh how's your week been what's up what's cooking good looking i've been thinking all week about the bachelorette yes it was we enjoyed it it was it was good to be back and we love katie and we're excited for her season And we love Greg. We love Greg. We love John. Mm-hmm. We love Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it seems yeah. like a good group of of men. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not a fan of Albert. Which one was that? The motivational speaker. I thought it was Carl. That's Carl. You're right. I don't even know if there's an Albert. Well, yeah, no. I don't like Carl. 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 No, he seems sus. He seems very full of himself and he's a motivational speaker, which is like fine. But at the same time, he like, I can't believe the cat was. Oh, I also love him too. The cat. Yeah. Um, if if I don't get a rose before this guy or there's no way like the boxes, he's just like too fiery, like a little yappy dog. I'm like, please calm mm-hmm. down. Like, it's okay. It's just the mailman. Like, you're okay. <laughs> yeah. He needs to. Yeah. Just chill. Yeah. But we love Katie. We're excited for her. And. We hope she finds love, and if she doesn't, yeah. we know she will, because she's great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's what's been keeping me up, is yeah. is Katie mm-hmm. Thurston. Yes. Yes. What about you? Last night, I was doing research, and I was about to go to bed, and I looked up at my ceiling, and there was a spider. No. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I grabbed the Swiffer, and I go to attack it, but I was a little too slow, and it like saw me, so it like jumped down, and I lost sight of it, and then I was like freaking out, because... A, my room is kind of messy, so it's not like I could just, like, whatever. And I'm like, well, I'm about to go to bed, and now I can't sleep because of this. Like, I don't oh, know where it no. is. Oh, no. Just going to put on headspace and fall asleep <laughs> and just be, I, yeah. You have a little friend in your room. At least it's not a centipede, I guess. Right. That's what I was but thinking. Still. Yeah. But at the same time, I was also like, "Good, no, not yeah. now, not here. Yeah. No, that's not, that's not cool. There was one in my room the other night, too. Yeah. 
It was on the wall, but I, I killed it with a magazine. It's that time of year again. Ooh. The match tip is peach. Peach? Peach. Pitch. Pitch. Ooh. Okay. So okay. T- tell me, what is your tale? I want to thank Kelly for this topic suggestion. Hey, Kelly. Because I did not know about it until she suggested it. So thanks for listening as always. And thanks for suggesting a topic. If you would like to suggest a topic for us to cover in a future episode, you can email us at theinsomniareport at gmail.com. Yes. And you would get a shout out like our friend Kelly. Yes. Shout out to Kelly. All right. She's the bee's knees. Here we go. I'm ready. I'm buckled in. Washington, D.C. Oh, no. Abe Lincoln. (laughs) John F. Kennedy. No. Okay. May 2015. Oh, okay. A little bit after Abe Lincoln. (laughs) Maybe a little bit. Just a little bit. Obama's in the house. Yes. Savas Savopoulos and his wife, Amy, lived with their children, a 10-year-old son, Philip, whose nickname was Flip, and two teenage daughters, Abigail, who was 19, and Katerina, who was 16. And they all lived together in a red brick mansion in a very swanky part of D.C. called Woodley Park, which is not far from the National Cathedral and less than a mile from the vice president's house. So lots of prominent neighbors. Yes, very extremely bougie. Oh, yeah. I just had a dinner party with the CIA. Right. I don't know. Like, probably. He'd probably be like, oh, yeah, my son graduated. And it's like, oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) we've been surveilling your house (laughs) yeah how's your grandma doing i heard her knee surgery was (laughs) okay anyway so their house was huge not surprising huge they had like a manicured lawn and like those trimmed hedges you know oh you know it's stuff it's fancy when you say manicured lawn instead of Mm -hmm. like yeah they had grass right (laughs) Do they have like any animals out of their shrubbery or anything wild or just Um, like very neat? I can neither confirm nor deny. I don't think they had any animals. Sad. Yeah. We have a giraffe on our street. We do. Someone made a giraffe out of what? Like bushes. Bushes. Something. (laughs) Random, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Why not? Why not? So they also had a gate out front and a private jet. As well as a 44-foot yacht. Okay, so they are stupid rich. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they're super, super rich. Savas, the father, was the president and CEO of American Iron Works. Okay. Which supplies metal for big construction projects like rebuilding the Pentagon after 9-11 and like hotels and stuff. And that brought in the big bucks. That'll do it. They like to do rich people stuff like once they spent... A year in the Virgin Islands, just just a year, because they felt like it. And but they also donated a lot of their money and time, and um, they were known for being very generous. Well, that's good and kind people. I approve. Amy and Savas grew up in Maryland, and they met in high school, and they both ended up at the University of Maryland for college. Savas had a crush on her the entire time they were in college, Aww. but Amy refused to go out with him until their senior year for some reason. He kept asking? Yeah. Oh. I know. Yeah. But it, it kind of, they, they were in love ultimately, and mm-hmm. they got married in a big Greek Orthodox wedding after college, 
And to everyone, they seemed like the perfect match. Everyone who knew them said they were deeply in love and they like never fought. And that extended also to their entire family unit. So they were a super close family, super close with their kids. They went on lots of trips together, stuff like that. Savas was super into martial arts, especially a style of Japanese sword fighting called Kenjutsu Mm. that he'd been into for over 20 years. Oh, cool. Yeah, I I hadn't heard of that, that, but it's a thing you can do. Yeah. Sword fighting. Uh, he'd even built his own martial arts studio, because, like, what else do you do with all right. that money? Yeah. Like, why not? And that was set to open in the next few weeks. Savas also loved to travel, go boating, and he was an amateur photographer. Amy grew up as an army kid who moved around a lot, but that meant she was worldly and had a lot of travel experience, and she was very involved in the community in their neighborhood, and she liked to go on walks around the neighborhood as well. She also volunteered a lot of time at her children's school. Philip, the 10-year-old son, was a sweet kid and known for being very mature for his age. He was into professional go-kart racing, Oh, and he competed around the country. He even had his own sponsor and his own, like, go-kart. His dream was to be a Formula One race car driver. Oh, my dad that loves Formula One. Yeah. It's like, that's a very, like, 10-year-old boy thing, which yeah, is for sure. sweet. Yes. At, you go flip. Yeah. Yeah. At one of these races, Savas, his father, met a guy named Jordan Wallace, who was also a racer, but he was older. He was in his 20s. Mm. And Jordan became Savas's personal assistant. Cute. So connections being made here. Okay. It's all about networking. You it's start all about young. who you know. Exactly. It really is, though. Truly. It is. Anyone listening out there? Network. Network. Do it. Do it. Get business cards. Okay, here's where our story starts. On May 13th, 2015, Abigail and Katerina, the daughters, were away at boarding school. Mm. And Philip was homesick from school because he had a concussion he got from a go-kart racing accident. Oh, no. Amy, the mom, went out to get coffee, leaving Philip home with their housekeeper, Vera Figueroa who had worked for them for about four years and who was a good friend of the family's other housekeeper, Nellie Gutierrez, who was not there that day. Vera was originally from El Salvador and she was very close with her family as well. She planned to retire that year. While Amy was out getting coffee, someone kicked in the French doors on the side of the house. It was a man named Darren Wint, who had previously worked for American Ironworks Savas's company as a welder, but he had been fired. Oh, no. Wint was originally from Guyana and had come to the U.S. as a teen. Colleagues of Savas say that he liked to hang out with the construction workers on the job and the welders and everyone. And Wint was allegedly a friend of Savas's. And even after he was fired... They continued to stay in touch, and Darren went sometimes did some work at the house. So he was known to them. Okay. But anyway. Not this time. I feel like if you kick in the door, that's a little aggressive mm-hmm. to fix your dishwasher. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I would say so. What do I know? I would say so. I'm, I'm just making assumptions. Yeah. 
Well, you wouldn't be wrong. Winch also had a very, very long rap sheet with charges including carrying concealed weapons, theft, harassment, and violating an order of protection. And that was in 2005. His father actually took out an order of protection against him. He had also been arrested for stabbing and assault, and multiple women had restraining orders against him. Okay. One time, he was accused of breaking into a woman's apartment, stealing her TV, and vandalizing her car. Not And he told her, quote, I'm going to come over there and kill you, your daughter, and your friends. Oh, okay. And she claimed that he was good with a knife and not afraid of the police. So why wasn't he in jail? I don't know. I guess it just never worked out to where he was like there for an extended amount of time. I'm not sure. Hmm. In 2010, he was arrested outside American Iron Works, and he had a BB gun and a two-foot-long machete. Why the machete? Why? That's... No. Yeah. I don't... Uh, just... Okay. I don't know. He made some sort of deal where they made him plead guilty to like possessing an open container of alcohol and somehow he got out with like not i don't know it was it it doesn't make sense to me but you know i don't know anyway so he's he's a free man walking around in 2015 and he kicks in the french doors of the mansion essentially that the family lived in so after he did that darren went restrained philip and vera And then Amy got home, and he restrained her, too, with duct tape and zip ties. Oh, God. Then around 5.30 p.m., he made Amy call Savas and ask him to come home. She told him that she had plans and she needed him to come home. So he did. He had been out working on his martial arts center, which, as I mentioned, was due to open soon. And when he got home, he was also restrained with duct tape and zip ties. Wint would keep them captive in their own home for 19 hours. That evening, Nellie, the other housekeeper who wasn't there at the time, she received a very calm, measured voicemail from Savas telling her that, quote, Amy is in bed sick tonight and Vera offered to stay and help her out because we're going through some stuff with Philip, so she's going to stay the night here. End quote. She she really didn't stay over very often, so it was kind of unusual, but it wasn't unheard of. Okay. And so he told Nellie, you don't have to come by today. Uh, we don't need you here. So she didn't. She stayed home. At 9.14 p.m., Amy called a nearby Domino's Pizza and ordered two pizzas, one plain and one pepperoni. She told them that she was caring for a sick child, so they shouldn't ring the doorbell. So to just drop it on the front porch, and then they would come out and get it later. Okay. The Domino's driver said later that the porch light was on, but the house itself was dark. But he did what she asked him to, and he left the pizza there. That night, Savas texted his assistant, Jordan, and said that he needed him to bring $40,000 in cash to the house. And Jordan responded. He texted him back, and he said, yeah, sure. I'll, <laughs> no problem. He no said, questions I'll asked. I'll do that. I got your message. Uh, I will call you when I, when I get it. So 
at 9.40 the next morning, the Thursday, the accountant of American Ironworks went to a Bank of America and withdrew $40,000 in cash in four bundles of $10,000 bills in $100 bills. What, what a... I didn't even know ten thousand dollar bills existed. No, no, it was a hundred thousand dollar bills, but in bundles. Okay. Yeah. So then Jordan went to American Ironworks, met the accountant, got the package filled with the cash, and drove towards the mansion. He called Sabas when he was about ten minutes away. In the meantime, Jordan, the the assistant, liked to show off that he worked for some really rich people. He would post photos of himself, like, in the in their cars and stuff. Sure. And he took a photo of the cash oh, okay. of, like, the $40,000 and texted it to a friend. Like, can you believe this? Like, you know. And uh, she she responded with, damn, I wonder how much it is. And he said, 40. She responded, Jesus. And then he said, my job is insane. Don't tell anyone. Oh. So he calls Savas when he's about 10 minutes away, and Savas tells him that he has to bring the cash into the garage, which was open, and put it in on the driver's seat of the unlocked car. So he does, without having any contact with Savas, he goes into the garage, he puts it in the driver's seat of their red Audi convertible, and... At 10.26 a.m., he texts Savas and says, package delivered. And then he goes home. Which, like, like, how is that not weird? I mean, that makes it seem like it, it's not the first time this has happened. You know, he's just yeah, like, all maybe. right, whatever. Like, yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe they were going to go on, like, another trip or whatever. Like, I, yeah, I mean, I yes, it's, it's very weird, but I feel like if I worked for a billionaire and they asked me to bring over $40,000, I would probably be like, I want to know, but I feel yeah. like if I were to ask, it would come off wrong. True. Like, who knows what kind of shady stuff people get up to. Right. Formally. Rich people are weird. Like, I've yeah. seen Parasite. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I, like I said, rich people are weird, and we've talked about this. Like, there's that probably rich person's store where they buy all their furniture. Oh, yeah. And all of it is ugly and gaudy. I don't know. They anyway. make mansion furniture. Y'all are weird. Yeah. Yeah, rich people are weird. Yes, they're super weird. So just kind of as an aside, um, so around 6 p.m. the previous day, before all this exchange happened with the cash, Vera, the housekeeper, her husband started to worry when he got home at around five and she wasn't there. Mm. He called her over and over, but eventually her phone stopped ringing at all. I guess it probably died or something. Mm -hmm. Then he went to work. He worked an overnight shift and he came home and she still wasn't there. So he drove to the mansion to look for her because uh -oh. he was worried. He knocked on the door, but nothing happened. No one came to the door, even though it sounded to him like there were people shuffling around inside. So then, as he's standing there trying to, like, figure out what's going on, Savas calls him and says, you know, again, like, very calmly, like, Vera stayed the night with them. He's so sorry he didn't call him. And he just, like, kept apologizing. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah. I'm so sorry. And so her husband was like, 
All right. And he went home. Okay. So then at 1.30 p.m. on Thursday, so this is the next day, mm-hmm. the fire department gets called to the house. A neighbor had called because the whole second floor was engulfed in flames. Oh, no. When the firefighters got inside, they found the bodies. Oh. The fire had originated in Philip's bedroom, and he had been in there alone. Oh. The adults were in another upstairs bedroom. The women had been restrained, but Savas had not been restrained. The theory was that Philip had been tortured to extort money out of the adults. Investigators found a sword in a bathroom and a bloody baseball bat in a bedroom. And autopsy showed that the family members and their housekeeper had been killed with blunt force trauma and stab wounds and then set on fire. The firefighters could smell the accelerant when they went in for the first time. And in the audio from the firefighters, you can hear the moment they realized that like there are people in there and that it wasn't like just they didn't just die from the fire Mm -hmm. they're like oh my gosh like this is a crime scene yeah oh that's chilling yeah it's it's really sad (sighs) really sad and you can also hear recordings of the calls that savas made to different people because he left voicemails Mm -hmm. so like to the housekeeper and to the husband and stuff and it's so strange because he just sounds like normal like just like as usual yeah like very calm and like yeah, it's in one of them. You can almost hear like a kid in the background, like yell something. Oh, it's like, it's yeah, it's so chilling. So yeah, um, Savas, Amy, Philip, and Vera were all murdered in in the home. Fortunately for investigators, someone had eaten most of a Domino's pepperoni pizza. <laughs> the Domino's, and Got the him. box was left in the house. DNA on the pizza crust and on a knife found stuck in the basement window was detected. And so they collected that DNA. In the meantime, Amy's blue Porsche was missing from the house and it was later found in flames in a church parking lot in Maryland. Surveillance video captured a man exiting the car carrying a white bucket. So, May 19th, a few days after this all happened, Darren Wynn's DNA was matched to the DNA on the pizza crust, and then they started the manhunt for him. So, investigators learned the next day, May 20th, that Wint had taken a bus to Brooklyn to his fiance's apartment, and... But then he fled because he apparently saw himself on the news and freaked out because they were, they like were broadcasting his picture online or on the TV. And for some reason he fled back to DC once he, I don't know why. I don't know like why you would go back to where they were looking for you, but. A lot of murderers apparently do that to like check it out. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's It doesn't seem very smart, but, you know. I mean, wow. The police caught up with him finally at a Howard Johnson Hotel in suburban D.C. in Maryland. He was leaving the hotel, but he wasn't alone. There were two vehicles. One contained Wint and three women, and the other contained two men. 
So they kind of went on a little car chase and investigators surrounded them, got them all out of the car and arrested Went In his car, they found clothing, an iPad, two knives, cash, thousands of dollars in money orders, and even more cash in the other vehicle. Many people are convinced that he could not have done this alone, and his lawyers later argued that he didn't even have the intellectual capabilities to do so. Mm. Multiple green construction vests were found in the garage. Interesting. So not just one where I, I guess he was wearing one to like, I don't know, blend in or something. Another interesting tidbit is that the police said that Jordan, the assistant, changed the details of how he dropped off the money and that he lied about like small details and stuff like that. And so that also casts suspicion on him and yeah, on the investigation as a whole. Investigators also found that Wint in the days after the fire performed a series of internet searches about how to beat a lie detector test. Okay. 10 hideout cities for fugitives. Um. And five countries with no U.S. extradition treaty. Oh. <laughs> so, a little sus. Like a, like a little bit. But here's what Darren Wint testified happened. He, was, he, he said he, like, it wasn't him. He said that his half-brother, Daryl Wint, told him that he needed help with a drywall job at the house. So Darren went and met Daryl at a construction company. Daryl then asked Darren, the guy on trial, if he could use his minivan and said that he'd pay him $300 to do so. So he said yes. Darren then said he stayed the night at a friend's house, and but he couldn't call Daryl because he left his phone in the minivan. Convenient. Mm. The next morning, Daryl pulled up in a Porsche like Amy's Porsche, and picked up Darren, and they drove to the mansion. Daryl had a key and let them both in. When Darren complained that he was hungry, Daryl returned with a pizza box, but he was wearing construction gloves holding the pizza box, which Darren said he thought was strange. He also mentioned that the pizza was, quote, cold and hard. Sad. Like my heart. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> He also said that he never heard anyone else in the house and had no idea that people were upstairs. Then he said his brother made him put on a construction hat and vest so as to not raise suspicion among the neighbors, saying he needed help, quote, unloading the house of valuables. So he wanted to steal stuff, I guess. Hmm. And Darren said that he objected to this. No, I do not steal. Not from my friends. No. And he told his brother to take him home. I want to go home. I don't, I'm not having fun anymore. <laughs> exactly. This pizza's cold and gross. It must be from Chuck E. Cheese. Ugh, well, it was dumb. I feel like like Domino's is okay. They've upped their game, though. Their yeah. crust is very good. It's not bad, but like when it's cold, I don't know. Hmm. I don't, well, I don't know. I like all pizza. You know, okay. like just put some ranch on it. And yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I want pizza. It's too late to order one. Okay. It is. Go on. So they're arguing. He says, I want to go home. And he apparently left his hat and vest with his brother, leaving his DNA on his hat and vest. 
Daryl then told Darren to get into the Porsche. He was going to take him to his minivan so he could go home, but instead he left him in a parking lot in Landham, Maryland. After that, he never saw his minivan again, and he said Daryl gave him $6,000 in cash to buy a new car. Daryl also gave him two white iPhones, saying he found them in a park. Uh-huh. Darren then went to New York to pay his fiance's bills. <laughs> like, that's nice of him. <laughs> and take her shopping with the money he got from Daryl. Can't relate. But then he saw himself on TV and freaked, calling Daryl and telling him he would turn himself in after talking with an attorney. And he said he first learned about the victims via the TV story. He had no idea anyone was, was killed. And he said he made those suspicious Google searches because he didn't want to go to jail for a crime he didn't commit. Okay. He also said he had no idea why his DNA was on a knife found in the basement. He said he never touched a knife. However, Daryl, the brother, has a pretty solid alibi backed up by receipts and phone records. He was hanging out with friends. Their other brother, Stefan... Stefan? Stefan. I'm not sure. Probably Stefan. Was also implicated by Darren. He said that he helped kill these people, but Stefan was at work at the time, which can be proven. Mm. So, overall, the trial lasted six weeks and the jury deliberated for two days. In October 2018, Wint was found guilty of 20 counts of kidnapping, extortion, and murder. And on February 1st, 2019, Wint was sentenced to four life sentences without parole. Mm. At his sentencing, Assistant U.S. Attorney Laura Bach called the killings, quote, by far one of the most heinous crimes anyone has ever committed in D.C. It's true. The daughters, Abigail and Katerina, still have to live with this tragedy daily, like their whole family was murdered. But Katerina forgave Wint in a letter read at his sentencing. Um, Wow. Yeah. Early this year, he sought a new trial, but I don't think that actually happened. Mm. So the reasons for why he did this are unclear, but the general consensus is he was trying to get money out of them because he knew how rich they were. Right. And he did get that money, but he also then killed them anyway in like a horrible, horrible fashion and like tortured a child and cold just like i can't even it makes me sick i can't even imagine but as i said many people are convinced that he didn't do it alone but no one else has been arrested Mm. so it's possible that there are other people out there who assisted in this and they haven't faced consequences Hmm. so it's really sad yeah that's the mansion murders well thank you kelly and thank you for telling that down really sad yeah it's super sad oh i forgot to mention that they um tore down the house Mm. someone bought the lot for like way less than it was originally worth oh wow i mean obviously right and uh, i think they built a new one there but Mm. yeah that's really sad money makes people crazy yeah i I mean yeah i mean that's usually a huge motive behind a lot of crime obviously i just don't know how people think they can get like away with stuff like that. i i know i know and who like in the middle of like torturing people is like you know what let me order a pizza. i'm gonna order pizza you know what sounds good right now Domino's. first of all right like did he share it with them or like did he 
All right, like, we're going to take a little break. Um, um, do you want cheese, pepperoni? Okay. Like, and, and the amount of times that, like, other people were involved, so yeah. but, like, never knew to call the police. And it's so, like, I was trying to imagine what I would do in that situation, like, how I would try to alert someone, but I have no idea. I truly believe your your intuition says a lot, so if something doesn't seem right, probably not Mm -hmm. but i mean it's easy to say oh well i would have done this like i don't know yeah i don't know i think for me if like if i was vera's husband and the boss called me and said that oh i'm sorry i'm sorry it's like why isn't she telling me this like that Mm -hmm. would be weird it's like can i talk to her like yeah i don't know yeah it's a little weird yeah um it's really sad it's so sad they're just innocent people trying to uh okay yeah well my story's not much better so okay lay it on me Ooh, buckle up okay i title this one and normally i don't tell you the titles of mine ahead of time mm. but it's called the florida man and his cam girl oh wow okay all right all right so meet margaret and chad amato they are from Chaluda, Florida. They have three sons. There's Jason, who's the oldest. He's not actually Chad's biological son. Uh, It was Margaret's son from a previous relationship. Um, But then they got married and Chad adopted him. So he was like officially his son. Mm -hmm. And, And Jason said that he never remembered like a time without Chad. So there's Cody. He's the middle son. And then there's Grant. Grant, and he's the youngest. Grant. Grant. They lived in a beautiful home. They had nice cars, all the bells and whistles, all that jazz. Margaret, as a hobby, she owned retired racehorses, and she was very passionate about them and and trying to, like, rehabilitate them if they were, like, left in bad situations because a lot of the times, like, animals, after they're done being, I guess, profitable, they're... It's sad. But anyway, she took care of them um, or she would always be at the stables. So if she wasn't at home or working, she was at the stables. But as a career, she was a healthcare client manager, whatever that means. And then Chad was a pharmacist. They gave their kids everything they needed. They were very loving, but Chad was very strict. He was kind of like the no messing around kind, mm-hmm. play the, by the play by my rules, that sort of thing. Jason moved out when he was 18 to go to college, and eventually he got married and had his own kids, so he wasn't living at home anymore. Cody and Grant were really, really close. They were only a year apart in age and in school. But they like to build computers, play video games. They like to work out together. They were both in their high school's weightlifting team. They liked um, guns, I guess. Like, the family was very into guns. Like, almost everyone in their family owned real guns, except I don't think Margaret ever really touched guns. Mm. But they were very into guns, and they liked to bond at shooting ranges. All right. And Cody and Grant even started, like, an airsoft league. Grant was a pretty soft-spoken, kind of like more the shy guy. But Cody, like, always had a pretty good group of friends. But 
Grant was kind of always the third wheel. All of his friends were Cody's friends, but they were only friends with Grant because they were friends with Cody type Mm. thing. Oh, yeah. Grant got his nursing degree from University of Central Florida, and almost all of his members of the family were in the medical field in some type of way. So Cody was also a nurse, so they both were so close that they planned we're both going to get our nursing degree, and then we're going to go to school to be anesthesiologists. Oh, wow. So after Grant graduated, then they both went to anesthesiology school together. So they actually had like classes together, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. That's cool. It'd be nice to study with someone. I don't know. Yeah. So while Grant got his nursing degree, he actually failed out of uh, anesthesiology school, but he was still able to work as a registered nurse at a hospital. However, not long after that, Grant was actually arrested from the hospital he worked at because he was caught stealing eight vials of profil. It's a sedative. It's a very strong sedative that they use in surgery. Uh, that's us. Very. And he was arrested and charged for grand theft, but it was dropped because he claimed, I mean, this wasn't the reason it was dropped, but he claimed he was doing it to give give to patients at the hospital who he thought were not getting the proper doses. Hmm. Also sus. Yeah. But he was trying to quote unquote help people. His brother Cody even paid $8,000 for a lawyer for a grant. Allegedly, the charges were dropped because it could potentially cause a lot of lawsuits if this surfaced because, you know, if any patients were like, I'm sorry, this is super sketchy, like I don't approve of, you know, Mm -hmm. everything's all about money at the end of the day, you know, so they dropped it because it would look really bad at the hospital, so... Mm -hmm. It was, however, speculated he was using the medicine for himself, and Mm. he also showed signs of depression. Mm. So overall, like, not a good time. Yeah. So with the arrest, Grant said it was hard to find another job, so he was still living at home, and he was about 28 at the time. His brother Cody actually also lived at home, and the plan was his parents were in their late 50s, early 60s. So they lived at home because his parents were planning on retiring in Tennessee because they bought a a nice little home there. And then Cody wanted to buy his parents' house like when they retired. Mm, Okay. They lived in a nice rural area, like four acres of land, very nice home. So I guess he wanted to stick around. So after a while of Grant being at home, Like, the family was understanding, but after a while, they started to get a little irritated with Grant because he wasn't still getting a job. He was just sticking at home playing video games all day. And he said that he wanted to become a Twitch star Mm. and, like, make money by streaming video games. And it's very, very hard to be successful in that. So they're like, okay, but can you, like, find a a job and do mm-hmm. that like if i were to quit and become a full-time podcaster like everyone would be like <laughs> like we we love this and we do this for yeah for entertainment but we do not get any financial anything from this but you know what i right, mean right, it's, right. it's like okay you have a passion but you need to yeah. have a day job when when did this take place again 2018 okay so pretty recent and the recent ones are always like extra yeah sad to me mm-hmm Grant didn't pay for anything, and he would always ask his parents for money or, 
even his brother or if his parents said no to the money, he would ask Cody and Cody would give it to him. Not only did he play a lot of video games, but he liked to watch lots and lots of porn. Okay. Which is, okay, like, you do you. Mm. I don't care. Whatever. But he was very into the cam girl sites where, Um. like, they're live and everything. And he met this woman named Sylvie. Don't you have to, like, pay for that? You do. Oh. Um, but he met this woman named Sylvie, and he became obsessed with her. Okay. And Sylvie was a cam girl from the website's Cam Girls. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is not sponsored. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, but she was this beautiful woman from Bulgaria. She had a really nice body, long, beautiful hair. He said for him, it was love at first sight, and she made him feel special. Hmm. I wonder why. <laughs> Not because he was paying her. There's a, listen. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, this is just the tip of okay. the iceberg. Okay. Let me tell All you. All right. So he would keep coming back to this website and talk to her. And after a while, he started like spending hours. And to him, it felt like true intimate relationship. And he considered Sylvie his girlfriend. Okay. Now, to your point, these websites are pay-as-you-go. And here's a little math equation for you. Oh, no. So if a train... No, okay. So (laughs) on the site, you would use real money to buy virtual tokens. Sylvie was 90 tokens a minute. Grant would talk to her for up to four hours a night. Oh, my God. Which was roughly 21,000 tokens. It costs 600 US dollars to have 5,000 tokens. <gasps> so he was paying $2,500 a night. Oh my God. Let that sit for a minute. We'll wait. Okay. That's so, so much money. That's so, like, Did I. Did he have, have that? He didn't have any money, right? Well, his family was very well off. Oh. However, the the thing, I mean, first of all, I mean, 2,500, like, I don't even, mm, like, I don't. F- for four hours talking to someone who would, oh, okay, 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 right, get like, an OnlyFans, like, stop, <sighs> what are you, no, okay, yeah, but, like, okay, obviously, he wasn't doing this, like, every single night, but when he would do it, it would be, like, hello, my love, and, yeah, anyway, what's more, is Grant had told her that he was this successful video gamer and he had this beautiful home and he drove a BMW and he had like this really cool life and mm. there's like pictures of him online like wearing his hat backwards holding like a bunch of hundred kind oh of like God. your guy in the story yeah, where he's yeah. like look at this 40 grand yeah don't tell anyone but mm. it was he he basically was trying to keep her attention I guess mm-hmm So he would also buy Sylvie lingerie and sex toys and send her gifts and like kept up with this facade that he was this person that he was absolutely not. Okay. Grant was desperate to keep Sylvie in his life. So he started stealing money and credit cards from his family. Mm. And bad move. Yeah. And after a while, they started to get maxed out. 
So when his family confronted him about this, Grant told family members he needed money to promote himself as a gamer. And according to Medium, his family speculated that probably wasn't true, but Grant continued to do this because he, quote, knew his family wouldn't press charges. <sighs> they should just kick him out at this point. So in total, over the course of a couple of months, he stacked up a bill of $200,000. Send in to Sylvie so she can dance on a webcam. my God. Oh, my God. So, like, his family confronted him about this, and he was just completely upset and said, like, you need to get a grip. $200,000. What are you doing? And apparently Grant would try to message her and there's this video online and it's it's really pathetic, but he's like filming him, like sending her a message saying, hey, Sylvie, like, hey, baby, I miss you. Like, can you just send a video to me? Like, I just want you to send it to me. Like, I feel weird sending you money all the time. Like, can you, okay, love you. Like, it, it was just so, oh, like, God. he has like this whiny, like kid voice, but he's like, almost 30 it's just like very uncomfy it's so sad like you feel like kind of bad because it's like oh my god it's so pathetic but um he just didn't have like any touch of reality oh my god so in december of 2018 cody a childhood friend named jericho and grant took a trip to japan because they were all really into anime and like japanese culture so they went to kyoto and tokyo And Cody even paid for Grant, and he shelled out $10,000 to pay for this trip for Grant. Oh, my God. Because Grant didn't have a job, and Cody's thinking was, it'd be a great bonding trip. They've always wanted to go, and he had hoped that being away for an extended period would cause Grant to kind of get out of this fantasy and maybe, Mm. like, not be so obsessed with Sylvie to where it's, like, Okay, we're going to get you away to where you are not on Wi-Fi all the time. We're going to do this for you, and hopefully it'll just be like a mm-hmm. like snap out of it. So his family knew about Sylvie? So not... I mean, they they started to like see the transactions where like to cam girl and stuff. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. this is not going to Twitch. Mm-hmm. So and it, he was like, oh, yeah, she's my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So they went to the trip. It was, they had a good time. I've always wanted to go to Japan. I'm pretty oh, jealous. But So it was the last day of the trip. Cody went to shower. It was in the morning before like their flight. And Grant said that he was going to go to the hotel lobby to go get something to eat. And Jericho was like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll see you in a bit. So Cody got out of the shower. And he asked where Grant was. Jericho was like, oh, he went downstairs to get food. And Grant was kind of upset. And then he realized that... Grant's duffel bag was gone. So Jericho said throughout the trip, he kind of noticed that Cody kept Grant on a short leash. And like, if he mm. like kind of went too far, he'd be like, come back. Like, like, where are you going? Like, like he's 10 at Disney World. It's like, no, no, don't stray. Like, mm-hmm. but he like kind of didn't really, he thought it was weird, but he like didn't really realize why. So Cody went to look for Grant and Jericho stayed in the hotel just in case Grant came 
back and he could like let Cody know and they were using like WhatsApp to communicate, which I feel so bad. It's like, can you just sit in our hotel room our last day here and wait for my brother who right. is in love with a Bulgarian bomb bomb? But mm. so Cody went out. Uh, Cody found Grant at a Pichiquito parlor, which I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's very popular in Japan and it's basically like a lot of slot machines and mm. it's kind of like a social thing like a casino it's kind of like a casino i guess it's like a, a japanese casino in a way but okay. like they're kind of everywhere and it's like mm, interesting kind of like an arcade type thing oh okay but they also have slot machines oh okay. you can look it up it's, it looks pretty cool i don't know i played a video game and there was one of them in there once so i'm basically oh, so an expert, expert. <laughs> <laughs> but basically he found them at part one of these parlors and Sure enough, Grant was on his tablet using the Wi-Fi at the parlor, and he was talking to Sylvie. Mm. So how did he get to talk to Sylvie if he had, like, no money? Well, it turns out he had stolen Jericho's card information. Oh, my God. So at dinner, Jericho pulled out his card to pay, and it didn't go through. So he called to see what was going on. And his account had been frozen because there were three charges on the card for cam girls. Oh, my God. So he Grant stole the card info to buy tokens before leaving the hotel. Like, this is a true addiction. Honestly, yeah, it like, is. It's like a hard drug ad- addiction. Mm-hmm. Like, you're stealing, you're lying, you're, you're right. doing literally whatever it takes to talk to this woman. So they got back to the States, and Chad, the father, was furious reasonably so Mm -hmm. so he really started cracking down on grant and he said you need to get a job you need to start to pay back the debts of your family members and they like had an altercation and grant was like super upset he's like no like i'm in love with this woman or or whatever was said i I wasn't Mm -hmm. there but like they had a Chad was furious, like the family was furious, like reasonably so. And he basically said, like, you need to get a job. You need to stop talking to this person. You need to stop spending money. You need to pay back your family, which I think anyone would think is fair. So they got into a fight and then Grant ran away. And Margaret, the mother, was really nervous about this. And she reported Grant as missing And mentioned that he was not acting right and he had been depressed and suicidal and she was worried that Grant would hurt himself. So Grant texted Margaret and he said, quote, he was just really tired of everything and, quote, he was going to handle it in his own way. Oh, no. So they found out that Grant went to his aunt's house who lived like nearby or in like the next suburb or or town or what have you. And she said that uh, Grant could stay with her for a few days. The aunt stated that Grant kind of seemed off. He was really down, but he would stay up all night and sleep all day. Sure enough, it wasn't long enough before she too noticed weird transactions on her card. Oh, my God. And he stole her card info, too. No. So the aunt calls Chad and lets him know, like, this is what my nephew did today. Chad kind of breaks down and he lets her know like what had been going on how they don't know what to do to help him and it's it's gotten so bad that chad had to take out another mortgage oh my god to pay off the debts and they took out like a loan of one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. oh my god and chad opened up 
uh, to the aunt saying that he won't be able to retire as soon as he had wanted. And he was like really stressed, but he begged the aunt not to press charges because he didn't want his son to go to jail. I mean, he hasn't faced any consequences yet for his actions. That's the thing. So. That's the thing. He's, it's, he's not eight. He didn't steal a candy bar. He stole two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and he—he's just. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like. My heart goes out to him because, like, Chad's really trying to, yeah, do what he thinks is best, and like, he cares about his son, but at the same time, it's, you need a whatever you're doing is not working, right? So the aunt was like, okay, but that is when. The entire family, like, aunts, brothers, like, even Jason came, the brother that had moved out, like, years before. Mm-hmm. He came, and they all had an intervention. I guess, like, snuck up on Grant when he was coming home to his aunt's place, and everyone was there. So it was basically, it was literally, it was like, the show of intervention. Yeah. They said, okay, Grant, you're either going to be cut off, or you can go get help. I don't know why they didn't do that a, a lot earlier, but yeah. who, who's to say? Maybe they were like kind of in denial too. Probably, yeah. Probably denial, maybe shame. Like, right? I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. It is hard yeah. to watch someone suffer, and you try to get them to figure it out, but maybe you don't realize how bad it is. Or mm-hmm. I don't know. I I don't want to like say anything negative about the family because yeah, it's a horrible situation. The family took him to a rehab center called Cornerstone, and they enrolled him in a 60-day period for, like, sex addiction, Mm because there wasn't, like, a specific program for, like, online addiction or or something. So they they put him in this program, and it was supposed to be 60 days. But sure enough, he didn't stay the full program. He only stayed 12 days because he, quote, didn't need it, and he was, quote, in a rut. Okay. Cody even paid $15,000 for this program. Oh, my God. Just for it to not be utilized. And $3,000 should have been refunded to Cody, but for whatever reason, he never got it. Hmm. Once Grant returned, this was on January 5th, there were new rules put in place, and he was given an ultimatum. So his choices were you can stay at home and you can follow our rules. You can join the military or you can get out and you're getting cut off. So the choice is yours. Mm -hmm. Grant decided to stay at home and Chad had created a contract and he wrote out this document on two pages of full-size paper, handwritten, and some of the rules included the family would not pay any new, current, or future debts. There was no internet use after midnight. There were no more all-nighters online or playing video games. He would have limited TV. He was given a new phone that didn't have data or internet, just call and text, like a classic flip phone like everyone else. He had to get a job and pay back his family. He had to apologize to his family, and there would be no more money put into Grant Saban's account. So, like, if he didn't follow the rules, would he get kicked out or something? Yes. Okay. And all of these rules seem pretty standard, and they also right. seem kind of like something you would do for a kid. Right. Even though he was a grown-ass man, he was literally acting like a 14-year-old that right. was, like, starting to rebel mm-hmm. and, like, smoking cigarettes or something. I don't know what rebellious kids do. We were not rebellious, but... Yeah. 
When Grant was in the treatment center, Chad was actually able to hack into Grant's computer because that was something he also did as a hobby. Hmm. Like they like to build computers. Chad was very into, I guess he was a hacker. He hacked things. That's cool. That's when he realized just how deep Grant was in this because Mm. he realized that Grant had this persona like that he created and he lied about being like this millionaire. He actually messaged Sylvie and let him know like he's not loaded. He doesn't have a job. He drives like a 2007 Toyota. He doesn't have a BMW. That's my car. Mm. And he even reached out to like his online friends and told them the truth and everything and You know, Grant had been lying. He's not this person you think he is. And you all are not to communicate with him anymore. And he, like, messaged Sylvie and said this. When Grant found out, he felt very violated by this. Mm. But uh, the family said, like, overall, the biggest rule would be no Sylvie. uh, Because Chad was trying, trying to get through to him. That he was put in a stranger before his family, and now his retirement was ruined, and the family was financially struggling, and this was all because of his addiction. Mm, but therapy, <laughs> I know. But on the side, sometimes Grant would find ways to message Sylvie through Twitter DMs. Oh, um, but then she she would like hardly ever reply, or she'd be like, "No, you need to talk to me through cam girls." So. That's not true love, I will say. No. If you have to pay. It's not true love. Um, Chad eventually found out, though, that he was still talking to Sylvie through Twitter, and he kicked him out. And he told him, like, we're done. Like, do not step onto my property again. Like, you have broken all of our trust. You've, like, we're done. You need to, you need to get out. So... Grant, like, was in a bag. He was texting Cody about what was going on while he was at work. And Cody left early from work to go help sort things out. So Cody texted his girlfriend. Her name was Sloan Young. And she said he was going home to deal with, quote, stupid bullshit. And that was around 9.30 p.m. Grant waited on the side of the road for Cody to come home from work and, like, to him about what happened because Chad had deactivated Grant's phone. He froze all of his accounts. He basically, like, just had whatever was in his bag. Mm. Grant said that Cody gave him his debit card to survive for a bit because Grant only had $200 to his name. Okay. So Grant then slept in his car outside of a grocery store called Publix. We don't have any in the Midwest, but... I think it's a southern thing. So he slept in his car outside the grocery store, and then the next day he actually went in for an interview called Express Scripts, which is a pharmacy benefit management company. I don't know what that is, but pharmacy. Then he went to Verizon to try to get his phone back to normal or reactivated, and they're like, no, we can't help you because it's under Chad's name. Sorry. So Grant then said he thought about going home, but he changed his mind. So then he hung out at a Panera for a couple hours, and then he got a room at the Double Tree, and he used his card that Cody gave him to chat with Sylvie at 3 a.m. So on January 25th, Cody doesn't show up for work. Oh, no. And he had been at his 
working at the hospital for five years and he had never even been late to work before. And he was the type of person that like worked extra hours or took extra shifts. Like he was a staple employee. So that was like struck his coworkers and supervisors as like odd. So a coworker said he tried to text Cody, but his message went green. And if you have an iPhone, that means the message like didn't go through whether it's broken or dead or like no service or that meant you had an Android, but he knew that Cody had an iPhone. So he tried calling it and then it went to voicemail. So they actually called the police to do a wellness check. So the police officer saw Cody's car was in the driveway and he knocked on all the doors and he banged on the windows and no one was answering. So he called Cody, he called Chad and he called Margaret and no one answered the phone. Oh, no. So this gave the officer like indication that this was a valid enough reason to enter. So he got permission from the police supervisor and he called for backup and he was able to enter the door um, by like breaking the lock with a knife or or whatever Mm -hmm. the policemen do. So the front door actually had a cabinet block in it. And what's weird is all the windows were covered and like taped over with brown paper. So like you couldn't look in. Oh my God. When they enter the kitchen, they see Chad face up on the kitchen floor and he had been shot in the head twice. Oh no. Margaret was found at her computer desk and she was shot once on the back of the head and she was like face down on her desk. Oh my God. Cody was found still in his work clothes in the fetal position in the mudroom next to the garage with a gun by him, and he had been shot, like, in the face. Oh, my God. Initially, it looked like a murder-suicide, thinking Cody killed his parents and then himself, Mm. but then they realized that they had, like, another son, and Grant was nowhere to be found, and, Mm. like, they didn't know that he had been, like, kicked out. So police find Grant at the Double Tree and they take him in for question questioning. But when they arrived, he just automatically like turned around and put his arms behind his back as if he was going to be handcuffed, but at this point they had like not done any forensics or like oh. anything. <laughs> so so they gave like, it away. <laughs> All right, like what are you doing? Like we're just going to like you didn't even hear what we have to say. Oh my god. So little little hmm, little mm. suspicious. Um sir. So they take him in for questioning because, you know, his family was just murdered. Right. And he's actually pretty honest and transparent about you know, Sylvie and how much money he spent and how he stole from his family and how he was kicked out. So he like, he wasn't trying to make up a story. Mm-hmm. However, oh, and he like even mentioned like, yeah, I'd been arrested for when I was fired at my hospital job and everything. So like, he wasn't trying to like hide anything right. to the point where it's like, no, like what? Like, I don't. Mm-hmm. However, he never, ever once asked what's going on. Why am I here? Where's my family? He never asked any questions. He just like automatically was like answering questions, but he was never like, like if you, a cop comes to your door right. and they're like, we're going to take you in for questioning. He was like, okay. Like not like, oh, well, what's this about? Like what's right. going on? Like what? Oh my God. Um, 
he was basically just kept saying like, oh, I didn't do it. Like, I don't know what's going like, why? Like, blah, blah, blah. He was basically like a child with frosting all over its face saying like, I don't know where the cupcake went. Like, what? Right. What? It was me. Oh, my God. It's like, you didn't even know I was asking about the cupcake. Right. So Grant also said that he, you know, after he cooled down from the argument, he thought about like going home the next day. And he decided against it. He was like, okay, I'm going to like go talk to my dad. And then he's no, I, I can't do this. So then he turned around. But when he got to his neighborhood, he admitted that he saw police cars and a news van. But he was, no, I'm going to turn around. And it's like, if you see, at least I would be like, what's that? What's going on? Right. Like, who is whose house is that? Mm. But no, he didn't turn around. And then he just hung out at a Panera. And then he Googled, he used the Wi-Fi and Googled top news stories. And then he said the first thing that came up was there was an article about a shooting on his street. But he didn't click through the article, uh, even though he also said that he recognized the driveway on the article thumbnail to be his. Oh, my God. But he told the police he didn't click through because he, quote, didn't want to know. He just, ignorance is bliss. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. This man. I can't see you. You can't see me. I don't. Oh, my God. I just, after a couple hours of this, the police say, look, we know, you know, just tell us. And even when they showed Grant, like, the crime scene photos of his dead family members and asked what happened, like, do you have any remorse? Grant still said he was innocent. And he said, quote, my family had been blaming me for months about ruining their lives, stealing and not following the rules in their home. So I might as well be being blamed for this, too. That's what he's thinking about that now that his family is dead. I can see why you're blaming me like family blames me for ruining their lives. So like, I'm just always the victim here. Oh, my God. But like, once again, just in case you forgot, let me just reiterate, if you see a news van, and police cars on your street. If you see a photo of your home in a news article about a shooting and you're brought in for questioning and you don't even ask why he's being questioned or what why his family isn't here or right you're you're not only dumb but you're just incredibly I don't even have words. Me neither. So they just said they kept trying to get a confession out of him like I watched the interrogation videos because there's like hours of it online and like Mm -hmm. it's so infuriating because he's literally acting like a child and he's like i don't know like i'm innocent like i would never like no you have the wrong guy it was someone else everyone's like you're the one that has a motive you you admitted that you got into a fight right grant's older brother then comes in to the station and they're allowed to talk together and Jason is incredibly shaken up and it's really heartbreaking to watch. It's Aww. it's so sad. And even though Grant still claimed his innocence, Jason wasn't fooled by this. And he just kept asking him, like, what happened? Like, you need to tell me what happened. Like, come on, mm. man. Like, it's our family. Like, I'm going to probably resent you for the rest of my life, whether or not you did it. You just need to tell me. And Grant just kept saying, like, no, I didn't do it. Like, it wasn't me. Oh, my God. So, on the 26th, they had to let him go because they had no physical evidence, even though Grant was most likely the suspect and he had the biggest motive. Oh, my gosh. But here's, like, what they found during the crime scene analysis. So, here's the evidence and and things. So, 
Margaret was the first one who was killed because the last activity went on her computer was at 4.44 p.m. and she was like slumped down on her desk. Then Chad was killed around 5.30 when he got home from work. And I'm sorry, this like, it's probably graphic and this whole section is, you know, it's a crime scene. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry ahead of time. So based on the blood in the kitchen, it looked like he had moved or had been crawling. So it's thought he was shot once and didn't die. So he was trying to crawl to a phone or or something, and then he was shot again. Oh, my God. There was handprints of blood on the floor, so you could see him moving through it. And his hands were covered in blood except for one finger. More on that later. Okay. Chad's gun was clipped on his belt, but the holster had no blood on it. And it was clipped in a way that was unusual and unstable. So, like, mm-hmm. not how you would normally put it on. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what that means. I, I, I've i never carried a gun, but yeah. basically it was clipped between the pant and the belt. Like I said, I don't, I don't carry a gun, so I don't know what's right. But basically yeah. the lead forensic investigator mentioned this in court and how it was obviously odd. Mm-hmm. Additionally, the gun was inside the holster, but the handle was facing the wrong direction for what would have been his shooting hand. Oh. So, you know, the gun normally faces, like, behind you, like the handle, Mm -hmm. so you can grab it, but it was facing the wrong way. Oh. So whoever put it in there was not thinking. Right. Um, Whoever that was. Whoever it might be, I don't know. There are instances where people... Like, if you're right-handed, you might be a left-handed shooter, or, you know, you could have it face in that direction if you like to cross-body shoot. So, if Mm -hmm. you're left-handed and it's on your right hip, then you could release it more, but he was right-handed, it was on his right hip, but it was facing the wrong direction, so he would have to, Mm -hmm. like, twist weirdly to, like, get it out. Okay. Or I'm sorry, it was on his left hip, wrong direction. It was wrong. I don't remember the exact, but it was wrong. It didn't make sense. Like some people try to be like, oh, well, what if he was a left-handed shooter? But it was not Mm -hmm. the case. Okay. So it seemed like it was placed to look like he had a gun on him like during the attack. Not sure like what significance that would do, but it it was intentionally put there. Cody, as I had mentioned, was found by the entrance of the home from the garage, and it was likely he was shot right when he entered the door. Oh, my God. There were also four shells found by Cody, uh, but the shells actually did not match what would have been used, and there was no gunpowder on Cody's hand, Mm. but there was a gun found by him, but the shells didn't match that gun that was found by him. Additionally, the door to the garage was closed, but if Cody did indeed shoot himself, there would have been blood on the door Mm -hmm. or it would have been left open. Mm -hmm. There was also no forced entry. There were no valuables taken. It was just Mm -hmm. like, it's just weird to think an intruder killed Margaret and then just waited for, you know chad to come home and then he able like to tiptoe around like an hour after it's just it doesn't add up yeah so when police searched grant's hotel room they found gloves that had gunpowder residue and he also had his passport with him so they're like is she 
is he going to go visit Sylvie? Like, will she take him in? Probably not. Right. On Grant's computer at home, they saw transactions on Cam Girls with Cody's card. So that means, you know, he probably did not get the card from Cody. He probably stole it after he was dead. Mm. Which means, like, literally after he murdered his family, then he was like, I'm going to go talk to Sylvie. Oh, my God. Tell her about my day. They also found pictures of credit cards that belonged to his parents, his grandparents, his uncle, and cousin on his computer. There were also records of Grant trying to unlock Cody's phone from his computer multiple times. So plugging it in, unplugging it, Googling how to unlock an iPhone, all this stuff. So remember when I said that Chad's hands were covered in blood but one finger? Was he trying to like fingerprint the phone? He cleaned off his finger to open Chad's phone, which is disgusting. That just is so horrible, but he tried to open like his bank account to transfer money over to his oh my god his stuff that's so awful so he literally murdered his father cleaned off one of his fingers tried to open his phone to get money and then he killed his brother and stole his wallet like this is just absurd it, oh my god so in the hotel room or in grant's car they found a note that was kind of meant to look like Cody wrote, and it essentially was a note to Grant saying, Cody will take care of Grant's problem, and he just wants him to come home, and he won't have to worry about things anymore, and it's like... Oh, my God. Super... Later, Grant said that they had, like, this discussion verbally, and he wrote it down to, like, remember, like, the nice things that Cody said about trying to help him, which is so pathetic, Right. So then he was arrested the next day and he was set with a $750,000 bond. Okay. So what really makes me sick, aside from this entire story, was Grant's family gave him everything and then some. He was really loved and supported by them regardless of his, you know, troubles. They gave him so many chances, and he was especially loved by his brother, Cody. Mm -hmm. And this loser had the nerve to kill his family and try to stage it to look like a murder-suicide and put the blame on Cody. Yeah, that's... Oh, my gosh. It's... I have no words. Yeah. That is just the next level of... I, I can't explain it. So, for his bond, he was not able to use any money from his parents' estate or, like, any witness or family members. So, they're like, haha, you're SOL. Mm-hmm. He said he would talk to news outlets if they would help contribute to his bail. So, he wrote this one journalist who was based in New York, and he wrote an email to him. And I'm just going to – I didn't read, like, the whole letter, but here's some highlights. Okay. So, if – if you want to roll your eyes some more. I'm ready. He said, quote, It seems that my half-brother's mission is to make my life that much harder by not believing me, communicating with me, or helping me, even after I was blessed with a very high bond. Oh, my God. He also said, when he was describing the judge who had set the bond, he wrote that she was, quote, very fair and understanding, and he felt blessed to have this 
case on him. Okay. Next, he said, regarding his situation, quote, still remains as depressing as the day I found out what happened in my home and the wrongful arrest and incarceration. So he's just as depressed in jail that he was like when he found out his family was murdered by him. Oh my. He said, I just want to feel the sun again, feel the breeze on my skin, feel the simple pleasures every innocent man feels. And then he, <sighs> and then he also said, so if you happen to know any millionaires who would like to post my bond, I'd be eternally grateful and I'd give exclusive rights for you to tell my story. This man's unhinged. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Crazy. Crazy. Delusional. I don't know, like, who you think you are. Yeah. He also wrote about how he missed his life before prison. And even though, like, he lived in a rural area, he, he really, you know, even though he lived in a rural area and they may not have had the fastest Wi-Fi and, like, you know, Uber Eats wasn't prominent in his area But he still missed his old life, and he ended the letter with, sad, I know, with the line eye emoji. Oh, my God. I just want to hit him, and I'm not a... Okay. Same. So, in court, Cody's girlfriend, her name was Sloan Young, said that Cody was a wonderful person, and he had told her about, like, the stolen money, about Sylvie, and everything, and how it, it had gotten so bad to the point where Cody actually said that he was scared of what Grant would do. Oh, my gosh. In the trial, Grant just looked completely detached, and some might even say he looked cold, except for when the court showed a video of Sylvie being played or, like, photos of her, and he just looked completely transfixed, like a moth on a flame. It was super creepy. And the assistant state attorney, Dominic Leo, even told the jury about that moment, saying, quote, I know some of you looked at him. I know what some of you saw because I saw the same thing and he was transfixed on that woman. He was wow. like completely like drool. Oh, like, do you know my love? Like, I wonder if Sylvie knows what happened. I don't know. I, I don't know if she was ever interviewed or questioned. Mm-hmm. She probably was, but I yeah. think it was like protected or like mm. i don't even know if sylvie was her real name yeah, probably, probably not. not but wow. like i didn't see videos of her being interviewed or anything mm. so i'm not sure i doubt he would just flat out say like i killed my family for you like do you love me now like no right. on the final day there was eight hours of deliberation from the jury from the jury grant was sentenced on three counts of first-degree premeditated murder, the jury decided against the death penalty as they couldn't come up to, like, a, a consensus. And instead, he was given three life sentences, one for each family member, without the possibility of parole. Wow. They were never able to find the actual gun that was used. Hmm. And to this day, Grant says he's innocent. So... All I have to say is, for one thing, like I said, if you have to pay to talk to your significant other, they are not your true love. Right. My heart goes out to the family and friends of the Amato family, and especially to Jason because he lost all of his family. That's so sad. And in court, he said during the sentencing, he said, quote, 
Although they are gone, I want everyone to know Chad, Margaret, and Cody were amazing people that will live forever. And he was like sobbing. Oh my God. So Grant Amato remains incarcerated at Madison Correctional Institution in Madison County, Florida. Sylvie is actually still kicking it. She has a Twitter. She's still part of Cam Girls, and she has an OnlyFans. Like, she posted recently that she was going to go live soon. So um, I found her Twitter, and then I felt weird because you were sitting right next to me on the couch, and I was, like, scrolling through, and I'm like, all these nudes are, like, popping up. (laughs) (laughs) If, Like I said, if she was ever interviewed or questioned, like, I don't know about it or it wasn't, like, shown, probably to, like, protect her. I don't. I want to say protect her identity, but she also, like, shows her titties on camera. So, like, I don't know. Like, you do you, though. Like, okay, but... So, this is a tragic story. It's definitely an extreme case of addiction. It's it's heartbreaking. It's it's really... There are no words. I've never heard anything like this. And when I first heard about this case, I thought it was going to be a case where the guy was obsessed with the cam girl and would go after the cam girl, but... I don't really think like she had any idea or she was just doing her job. Right. You know, I doubt she was like, no, you need to whatever. She was like, right. No, you need to pay me. Yeah. I don't know. But if you are battling addiction, the addiction hotline is 1-800-662-4357. If you are suicidal, the hotline is 1-800-273-8255. If you are facing domestic abuse, the hotline is 1-800-799-7233. And that is the tragic case of the Florida man and his webcam girl. Wow. But I don't want to... I'm not trying to make it seem like Sylvie had anything to do with this. Like, this was 100% Grant. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But Florida man and Cam kind of rhymed. So, I was like, okay. But anyway, I'm not trying to, like, make light of it or whatever, but... It's so sad. It, this is something I heard probably a year or so ago, and it has stuck with me. It's just so chilling and just so... Yeah. That's going to stick with me, too. Yeah. I wonder what the thing is that kind of got him off the wagon, because maybe it started with his like flunking out of school or something. I think it could have been that. I think he always felt like he was in his brother's shadow, mm-hmm. and you know he was really loved by his mom like him and his mom had a good relationship but like chad was kind of like harsh Mm -hmm. and i think he just like i'm just speculating of course but i think he really wanted to be something he wasn't or he wouldn't have been able to perhaps get someone as beautiful as sylvie like on his own or he just Mm -hmm. didn't have the confidence so online you could be someone completely different yeah. So I think he was probably lonely, like, mm-hmm. after he got arrested. I'm sure, like, that was something. And I feel like, the, you know, the need to want to be a, a video game Twitch star, there's kind of a lack of sense of reality. Not saying mm-hmm. that's the case for everyone, but for that to be yeah, such a big identity, it's like, okay, you can play video games, you can Twitch. Like, like we said earlier, like, yes, we have a podcast, but we know... That's not going to be our right. only source We're of anything. We're not quitting our day jobs. Right. Anytime soon. Just because we know that that's not something we can do right now. So right. I don't know. But wow. it's tough. I it, it also makes me sad because, you know, this happened two weeks after 
he left rehab and it's like if he had just stayed or mm-hmm. I don't know why he was released what counselor signed off like how did right. he did he manipulate it like was he kind of showing signs of being a sociopath to where he could yeah or a psychopath to where he could like manipulate people this one sticks with me because it's you want to say why didn't the parents do this or why didn't the family do this but it's right you don't know the extent of it or I don't know. It, it's just sad. It's just so sad. And it didn't have to end this way. But like yeah. $200,000. That's, I mean, well, he, like he obviously, like you said, valued Sylvie way more than his family because he killed them. Right. Like money is no, is is like nothing compared to that, you know? Right. And it's like he thought that they were in love and he, it's just. Wow. It's sad. It's It's sad. He. I don't know. I don't know where, mm. like, it went wrong for him, but probably, like, flunking out or, again, like, he probably felt like he wasn't good enough and then he found a way to kind of be this person he wasn't and, yeah, like, no one had yeah. to know. Like, maybe he was ashamed of being arrested, too. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm I'm this person online where no one knows me. They don't have to – if he lived in a small right. town, like, people probably all knew about it and mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But – Anyway. Wow. It's heavy. Yeah. It's a, this is a heavy one, y'all. It is. Oh my gosh. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, Thank you again, Kelly, for suggesting Elizabeth's yeah. story. Thank you. Well, tune in next week. It's a wild card. Wild card. No idea what it'll be. Wild card. Wild card. Wild card. Wild card. Would you like to tell them where to find us? You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And like I mentioned earlier, you can submit your own listener report or suggest ideas that we can cover on the show at the insomnia report at gmail.com. If you feel so inclined, it would really mean a lot if you were to like, follow, and subscribe. Or if you really like our podcast, it would really mean a lot if you gave us a five-star review on, what's it called? I was going to say iTunes. Apple Podcast. That's the one. (laughs) Thank you. you. Thank you. Only if you want to. Like, no pressure. Like, really. Okay. Anyway, um, I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. Stay spooky and sleepy, and we will catch you on the flippity flip. And we'd like to credit the artists that have helped oh us. Oh, my God. How could I forget? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just I'm, I'm tired and I'm stressed because that case makes me sad. Oh, yeah. We would, of course, love to thank the artists that have helped us. Our music is composed by Colin Whitlish, and music production is by Justin Toom. And our cover art is by Erica Chase. Okay, good night. Stay sleepy. Stay sleepy and spooky. Don't think you're in love with someone who you have to pay to talk to you. I Call the police or... or Trust your gut. Trust your gut. If you think something is wrong, if you see something, say something. If you have a feeling... <laughs> if you see something, say, say something. something. Okay, there we yep. go. Thank you, CTA man. Yes. <laughs> your safety is our top priority. <laughs> no, but really, like, trust your gut. Say something, like, it, it could save a life. And... Yes. um that's all and i'm gonna talk to my therapist about this one okay good good night all right good night